Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Bortzman with you on a Wednesday afternoon. We have made it to the All-Star break in the Blue Jackets bye week. The Blue Jackets with a 1-0 win in St. Louis on Tuesday. First shutout in 747 days. Yes, a span of 178 games between shutouts for the Blue Jackets. I got to look uh, at some point today. I th- that's got to be a record for them. I don't know if it's an NHL record, but I'm guessing it's a record for the Blue Jackets because I don't remember them going whole seasons without um, a shutout. So, anyways, good for Elvis. He played well, made some big saves at, at big times. Baronkov the goal. And you know what? It was not a it was not a um a road trip without some bumps in it, but two, two and one through some buzzsaws out there. They get a win in Calgary, a win in St. Louis, get an overtime loss in Vancouver, uh regulation losses to Seattle and Edmonton. Uh Blue Jackets uh, have settled into a a spot here near the bottom of the standings. It looks like it's gonna be one of those seasons, as you know. Um, but 32 games to go and, and some, some interesting storylines active and coming. Uh, the trade deadline is five weeks away. We can talk about that. Um, these young players, I still say this is what gives this season a tinge of hope. Uh, certainly did not have last season. Um, Vronkov again with a big goal last night. He's been really good. He's got as many goals as Fantilli does. Uh, perhaps by the end of the show today, we'll have an update on Fantilli. I'll pass that along to you as soon as I get it. Um, he, of course, suffered an injury late in the Seattle game. Um, apparently, early testing did not show a cut to his um, Achilles. That's really good news, if that holds to be true. He was wearing Kevlar socks. That's according to Valley Sports, Ohio. Um, so you would think that would protect him from the worst of it. Um, so if we get any update on there, we'll, we'll pass it along. He did not play in St. Louis, obviously. Um, and the team said he's due for further evaluation now that they're back in Columbus. So uh, we can get into anything. Uh, I, I can probably uh, anticipate a lot of these questions, but there's always some surprises. So uh, firing some some text questions, questions if you would. I'm fighting through it a little bit today, in case you can't tell. Or step to the stage, and uh, we'll bring you in. I see, looking at the stage, we've already got Matt C. there, so Matt, hang with us. You're going to be first in the batting order. Um, but yeah, those are the two ways to reach. We'll probably go 45 minutes here. Hope you've got nice plans during the break. My guess is that half the team is already in the Caribbean right now. Um, we are not in the Caribbean, it's a touch gray. Other than the fact that it's gray and about 40 degrees cooler, um, we're in the same place. Uh, anyways, uh, let's get to the uh, text questions. We'll start with Mark. Why do I keep saying questions? Is text, quest, text questions. I'm a professional broadcaster. Uh, Martin L says, Sports, just to start things off with the pressing question, what is your take on the on who is at fault for your check? And what can you tell us about the report that players don't want to play for Yarmo or our coaches? Um, many fans are calling Vincent's head, but I don't think this is on him. Well, I think what this this whole thing boils down to with with Yerichek, we wrote this uh, in the Sunday gathering. This is a player thinking he's ready for the NHL and the team saying he's not. 
And I don't blame either of them for feeling that way. That's, that's their job, really. Um, and I don't see any sign that Yurichek, when he has gone to Cleveland, I know he's not wanted to go to Cleveland, but I have not got any indication that he has been anything other than a completely engaged player there. So that's to his credit. He has every right to think he's an NHL player. Obviously, the team has every right to think he's not quite ready and that the AHL is best for him. I think the, the issue here, um, the, the confusion for so many people, perhaps for Juracek himself too, is just those three words, get a place. And that is, I mean, let, let's be clear here. Nobody is guaranteed a spot in the NHL, certainly not a player who doesn't need waivers to go to the, to the minors. So even when a team says to a player, get a place, it should be understood that that doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want and you keep your job in the NHL. But teams usually don't say that to a player until such time that it's pretty clear this guy's going to be here. I think with Rick Nash, it was like November 1st of his rookie year. You're going to be here. Uh, hey, kid, you made it. I don't think it was even a conversation with Fantilli. I think that was before the season started. Get a place. Um, you don't. It's like you don't say that typically unless it's really clear that this guy's with you, going to be with you. He's one of your top six. So, you know, that – and but then to do – you know, and for the team to say, well, he his play sagged after that. Again, you're, no one's guaranteed an NHL place. But you sent him to Cleveland to get a playing time like four days after you told him to get a place. Like that don't, – don't say that. If that's not what is meant, um, and so I don't think that helps the situation. I think some public messaging has been a real problem uh, this year too. That, that this Harrisov stuff, um, more specifically the Merzlikin stuff, it was no. We just think that Tarasov needs to play. We need to see him. And if you're a fan that's paying attention to this team, certainly if you're a reporter, it sets off alarms because wait a minute, wait a minute. You've been saying all year that. You're sheltering these young players because you're trying to win games and you want to do what's best for them. So why did you just suddenly tune about face on the goalie? And then we later find out that's not what it was at all. And now, of course, they need to see your check. Of course, they need to see your check. But the reason that Elvis went six games without playing, it was a disciplinary act towards Elvis. Um, so, you know, you get yourself in trouble with, with this stuff. Uh, with fans, um, when you sort of lead them down the wrong path. And I, I, I think the, uh, I think that's been an issue as well. I don't know who reported that players don't want to play for Yarmo or our coaches. Um, I don't think it's beyond the pale to think that there are players in the room that are not happy with the situation. We just talked about one. Um, but I've not seen a widespread. Uh, feeling as such. The other thing I'll point you to is, to me, uh, words are are absolutely powerful. Nothing says more about if a team is engaged uh, with a coach than how they play. And the one thing I don't think you can question about the team this year, really in any of their games, they've not played well enough, and they've looked overmatched at times. They've panicked at times. We've, we've gone well into that. But I don't think you can say that this team has dogged it. Um, certainly not. The most recent uh, expression of their energy level was the game in St. Louis. And it was not a beautiful game by any stretch. But they busted their asses. Uh, they're playing hard for, for Pascal Vincent. And my sense is that most of the players uh, are fine. I don't think, you know, again... It's, it's, um, as a coach, not every player is going to always like you. In fact, no player is going to always like you. That's just the deal. Um, but will they play for you? And do you, you, you come around? And I think we've seen, again, most of this, most of these guys, this team, with rare exception, they played hard most nights. Um, so thanks for the question, Martin. I hope that answers. Uh, Eric S. says, what are the odds we see someone, anyone, be fired during this break? Four to one sound fair? I'm not good at doing odds. 
but I've been told to expect a quiet break. I think we could all use a little quiet. But no, I, I don't see something happening happening during this break. Listen, I know where you're getting at. Is Jarmo safe? JD safe? Those are fair questions. The way that this should work in a situation like this, you're not deciding as of last week that this isn't working. You've got some time. You've got some ramp up here where you can be thinking about who your next guy is. So there's two questions. If you're there, I don't know that they're there. If you're there, can you get your guy today? In other words, is he either not in an NHL job at present? Or is he in a job that he can get out of mid-season? That's pretty rare, the last one. Uh, when we were talking high-level hockey staffers, GM types. So if you can't get that guy right now, then you have to get to the second question. Is the situation so grossly incompetent that this cannot be allowed to continue? And if that's the case, then you hire an intern. But I don't get the sense that either of those is going to go down. Again, been told that to expect a quiet break. Uh, we'll do one more text question, then we're going to head over to the stage. We've got Matt C. and Joseph M. So Matt C., be prepared, be ready to go here, bud. Uh, Bob M. says, Ports, if Liney has an extended absence that leads into next season, does the CBJ possibly get any cap relief? I know Tex was out a year, correct? Uh, that's a good question. I'd have to look at the CBA and see what that says. Um, I mean, he's, I know he still gets paid, um, but I'm not sure what that does to their salary cap next year. Um, you know, the question though is, can you, can you spend that money? The answer would be no, if you're expecting Liney to return. So. And let me say this, too, in the line situation. hope it doesn't need to be said. Best wishes to him um, that he gets the help that he needs. And big respect to him for recognizing it and stepping out. Um, yeah, I think everybody's rooting for him. Uh, let's go to the stage. We'll come back to the text messages. We'll get to Jeff, Kyle, and Matt. To the stage we go for Matt C. Matt, you are on front and nationwide. Go ahead, please. All righty. Um, so I guess my question is, I read your um, article about how <clears throat> Yarmo was saying how he has a ranking system for players, and him and Pascal sit down and, and share that information with, with each other, and they yep. go back and forth on you know who should start, who should play, who should be scratched. Um, and then at the end of the article, it said that him and Torch used to uh, battle back and forth, which kind of sure, got me. Sure. It kind of led me to think about an article you wrote. I think you got a quote from Torch, um, go, uh, you know, asking him about Lars, Lars's struggle last year. Yeah. And he pretty much said like, Hey, there's a lot more going on in Columbus than just Lars. Like he, Lars is not the problem. So I'm just kind of thinking, how tough is it to coach for a GM like Yarmo? Or is it? Or is it Yarmo? Or is it someone else that are, like, who's really pulling the strings on the, you know, lineup and the scratches and the demotions? And I know you said that, you know, Yarmo likes to keep, you know, the head coach. He likes him to make those decisions. But it just kind of right, seems right. like Yarmo has more control than, like, what we think he does. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he probably has... To hear him tell it, he has less control than you probably think he does. Um, you have to understand, the hockey operations departments for almost every team, they meet uh, after the game. And it it's not a formal meeting by any means. My understanding of it is a, a bunch of hockey guys, hockey lifers, evaluating the game that they, they just saw. Yarmo Kekalainen is an old-school scout. That's how he made his name in this game. So he grades, I, I was, I didn't know that he kept a grade for, for his own players still, but he does. And I would trust his insights on a, on a player. 
And I think it could be beneficial um, to have a person whose opinion of players you trust evaluating players on the same sliding scale every night. Within that, there will be disagreements. Um, and I think those disagreements are perfectly healthy. I think they're really healthy, much more, much healthier than no disagreements, because that tells you that, that grown men are not free to express themselves. So I think what Yarmo was trying to say is he states his case. Uh, if Pascal Vincent feels differently, he states his. Um, but at the end of the day, the lineup is Pascal Vincent's to pick. I won't try to decipher what Torts was saying. I don't. My sense is that it wasn't Yarmo's impossible to work for as a coach. I don't think he was going there. I think it was. I think he was hinting at some of the issues he had with the team, um, some of the players with the team when he decided uh, to move along. When he decided that it wasn't going to work here and he didn't want to go through a rebuild. So. I don't think it was that, but I, I don't know what it was because he, I think he was given a chance to expound upon that and he wasn't going there. So um, I think, I think what we're talking about though is a perfectly healthy thing that ho- hockey operations departments do after every game. It's boy, I like so-and-so tonight. Did you see that play? Did you under, did you recognize the play that he made in the second period where he did this, 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 and then the coach saying, well, here's what happened on the bench. And they just sort of inform each other. Uh, the coach gets a, a opinion based upon what a professional level hockey scout saw from up above. And the hockey scout gets input based upon what the coach saw at ground level, his direct interactions with the players. So it's a, it's a beneficial uh, give and take. Um, and if they don't agree, again, I think that's that's mostly – uh, healthy because these are grown up people with uh, opinions. All right, let's see. Who did I just bring in? I think I brought in Jonathan. Are you, Jonathan? Are you there? Hello. You're looking for Joe. Joe, there you go. Sorry, the second I hit your second I hit the button, your name disappeared. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, everything went blank here too. So, but technology, gotta love it. Um. My question is, I see time and time again written from ownership that they're involved, they're invested, so forth and so on. But I've been to more than half of their home games, and the ownership box is dark. Also, I have not seen J.D. at a game this year. Normally, I can see him poking his head out from up above, and I have not seen him there. I'm wondering if you know how often ownership actually shows up, how often JD shows up, and if they've been on a road trip other than possibly the father's road trip. Yeah, so I don't uh I don't have a running total on this. My sense is that McConnell makes it to the games he can make it to when he is in town. There are a lot of things that pull him away, his business his uh, son plays on a hockey team. Those two uh, would be the priority. He is, it's also not my place to defend him and how much he's, he's invested. I'll just take him at his word. He is. I, I, I don't think, I don't need an owner to constantly be present to tell me that he cares. I think he should do it his way. He has done it his way, um, for better or worse. As for John Davidson, I know he's had some some uh, health issues I won't get into that have kept him away. Um, and my sense is that he's going to be more visible in the second half than the first. But, um, again, I don't know how many games. I think I saw him in almost every game in the early part of the season. I hope to see him again soon. So. Um, yeah, that's what I would say to that, Joseph. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the questions. Thanks for stepping in. Again, if you want to ask a question, fire off a text or step to the stage queue and we'll try to bring you in. Uh, we'll try to get to everybody, as many people as we can. Uh, Jeff M says, 
Olivier has been a healthy scratch lately. Any trade value for him? Can we put him on waivers to send him down instead of one of the younger players? Um, I don't know if if somebody I don't I don't think there's much trade value for him. Uh, put it that way. But if um, somebody wants a tough guy heading into the playoffs, like okay, um, you could put him on waivers and send him down. You could absolutely. The fact that he's not taking up a lineup spot, though, means he's not keeping somebody out of the lineup. So I'm not sure if that should be a priority or not. Uh, Kyle Z says, if ownership decides it's time for new management, including potential retirement party of ways with John Davis, do you see the club filling the president of hockey operations role as well? If so, are there any obvious candidates for the role? Uh, good question. Yeah, I, I mean, every team has, is aligned a little bit different. So it depends on who they bring in um, as the replacement for whoever they, you know, if they move, make a move on the GM, depends on who they bring in for that. If it's currently a GM in the NHL or if it's somebody that's, that's higher up in a front office, they may need to offer them more than the GM's job to get them to come. In other words, it's seen as bad. Um, it's seen as bad form to leave one GM job for another, um, unless you're fired, of course. So those are things that have to be considered. I also think that uh, it's too early, I would say, for Rick Nash to be the general manager. I think that where a lot of people think it's going here eventually. Um, but I don't, I don't get the sense that he is interested in being the general manager either. I think he may more have his eyes on a president-type job. Um, and depending upon what you need from that chair, it may or may not be too early for that. Um, I mean, he's only, what is he, 38 years old? Is that right? Maybe 39. He might be 40. Um, so that's a bit early. Uh, but it's, 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 it's quite difficult to look, um, out and figure out who the next president may be because it, depends on what what the uh, GM needs or how ownership wants to do it. They may have different opinions on that. Matt B says, I like to judge firings on if somebody immediately becomes the best person on the market for that job post-dismissal. You consistently say on here, Yarma would have no problem getting a job elsewhere in the NHL. Can you elaborate what position you think that would be in another front office and what valuable attributes other clubs see in him? Um, yeah, Matt, I mean, I, I, to me, uh, Yarmo could get a job. I don't think he would have any trouble with that. I think if it is as an assistant GM, there's usually a different area of expertise. So for him, it could be director of scouting and associate VP or assistant VP, um, or assistant GM, sorry, assistant GM and director of scouting. Um, but again, that's yeah, he's got a lot of friends throughout the NHL. He has a ton of experience. He's done been through a ton of drafts. Um, so that's what I would say to that. If I had to guess, I would probably steer it that direction. Um, let's see. Patrick S says, "Hey, Porty, great stuff on the year check situation. Just in your opinion, do you think the player would be in a better place?" If he were just told at the start of the year that he was going to spend most of the season in the AHL, go there, play in all situations, big minutes, work on these three to five things, and you'll be called up when needed. Sell it as working on his development. Or do you think Juracek would still be just as upset as he is now, believing he was one of the top D-men in the organization and being relegated to the AHL because of the contract situations? Um, I think if you would have, if to your first part there, go there, play in all situations, eat it up. I think that would, if if that happened, it would have eliminated some of the confusion around the messaging here, um, and therefore would be beneficial. I still think the player would be pissed off because I think the player thinks he's an NHL guy now. Um, here's here are the problems that I have though with with some of the stuff that goes on, and the Blue Jackets aren't the only ones that do that. Let's say let's go back a week. And your check is sent to the American Hockey League. 
Okay. Because the team feels that that's what's best for his development. Now, this is where, and I, I've, I've gone over this ad nauseum before, but I, I think it's a salient point. If that's what's best for his development, then that is what's best for his development. And as a team, that has to be entirely your line of thinking. That's it. He will be better in the long run by spending this time in the American Hockey League and working on these elements to his game. If that's how you feel, then no, hear me, no number of injuries should result in him being recalled. Not in a season like this. Does that thinking make sense? In other words, you're thinking about David Yurichek purely about as to how can we make him the best that he can be. And if that is playing in the American Hockey League, then that's where he goes. And no amount of injuries resulted in him calling up because that's not best for him long-term. You're not trying to beat the Blues on a Tuesday night. It's about the future of this this player. That's how decisions should be made. Um, and if, if the player doesn't like it and the agent doesn't like it, tough toodles. If you know that's, that is what is best for the player, proceed. Go with it. Um, yeah, I'm strangely passionate about that, but Joe S says, is the all-star break a good time to relieve members of the front office with the trade deadline approaching? It seems like the perfect time if they don't want Yarmonko. Well, if, if they don't want him, I'll finish your question because you, you did get to it. With the trade deadline approaching, it seems like the perfect time if they don't want Yarmo and company running this deadline. If they don't want to run the deadline, it is the perfect time. Um, I'm not sure that they feel strongly that it would be detrimental for him to run the deadline. Um, let's look at what the Blue Jackets deadline may look like. And these will be some of the things we'll get into uh, during the uh, during the break here. Um, Roslovic is a UFA. They're only prominent UFA. So feel confident that he is available. I think he's got value now that he did not have last year. I think he's played pretty well at times this year. Um, I, I still think he's a weird fit. I don't think playoff teams see him as a potential third-line center. But I like the fact that he played on some wing this year and looked really good early playing on the wing. So there's flexibility there. The other guy that could be on the move is, and, and you're, if you're expecting me to say Merzlikens, don't be disappointed. That, that contract is still going to be really, really hard to trade. But a couple more games like Tuesday, let's go. Show people you still got it in there. Um, and you know what? I'll, let me, without deviating too far, I loved the way Elvis handled himself post-game. Not for me, but because I know that the players in the room love the way Elvis handled the post-game. It was so much we and not much me. And that has been an issue. Um, okay, so back to the All-Star break. I think Ivan Provorov, if they get a great offer, could be on the move for teams looking for left side top four D help. And I say that because I think the feeling with many, and this, you know, there will be people raising eyebrows based upon how your check has played and been handled this year. But the feeling for many in the organization is that Denton Matejuk will be ready next year. Um, so, but is the all-star break a good time to relieve members of the front office? It's not ideal. Mid-season changes like that are not ideal. Um, I would say that. But again, if you feel like what's being done is detrimental and you need it to stop immediately, then you would do that. I don't get the sense that they're there. Again, told to expect a quiet uh, all-star break. John F. says, who would be on your short list of replacements if Yarmo was out? Uh, good question. I think there's a few guys. Does Jeff Gordon 
want a team again? Does he want a second crack at this or second crack? Another crack at this. Um, Chris McFarland is in Colorado. I think there are people within the organization that rue the day that he left the organization and he's held in very high regard here. He's the Avs general manager, so he can't come back as the general manager. He'd have to add a title um, to that. I feel like this is a job for an experienced person. That's why I mentioned those two guys first. Um, if you're if they're looking for a young uh, up and comer, a former Blue Jacket by the name of Matthew Darsh is very highly regarded in the NHL. It started to get some interviews for GM. Currently with Tampa Bay, really impressive player, great thinker. Um, he's going to be a GM someday and probably a pretty good one. Um, so, Martin D says, hey, Porty, Frank Saravalli is the one who reported that it's not players wanting, that it's not players not wanting to play in Columbus. It's that they don't want to play for the management and coaching staff. I see. Yeah, well, I mean, that is, that has, I don't think Frank was reporting. Uh, I will not put words in his mouth. I don't. I think he was speaking in a general sense of through the years. So uh, Bobrovsky, Anderson, um, Jones, who else? Panarin, um, and some of those had nothing to do with coaches or management. Some of those had nothing to do with contract stuff. Some did, but one thing I've always pointed out. Um, perhaps being too defensive is nobody has ever said, get me the hell out of Columbus. I hate the city. I don't want to play here. Overwhelmingly, uh, players are surprised by what they find here. Although I even think that's less uh, happening less than, than it used to, because the word's gotten out a little bit. We did a thing a few years ago. I think it, I think it did as well as any story I've ever written for the athletic about speaking to former players about their experience in Columbus and what they feel needs to change. Was that last year or the year before? Might've been last year. Um, and th they were all just for the most part, could not be more effusive in their praise for the city. They loved, they loved living here. Some of them said they wanted to stay here. Um, so it's never been the city. It's never been the fans. It's never been, you know what this area is like. Most of them really, really like it. Well, let's go back to the stage uh, and bring in Scott G. Scott, you're on front of Nationwide. Go ahead, please. Yeah, Porty, thanks for doing this. Sure um, thing. Yeah, so one of the most exciting things about this season is watching the emergence of the three young Russian forwards. Yeah. Um, and like Chinikov's two goals the other night just kind of had me thinking about the fact that a few months ago, I don't, he either asked for a trade or at least voiced displeasure with his role. Um, and then Voronkov uh, had his whole thing where he was maybe going to go back to Russia. Um, and then the Russian line got put together and Chinikov's role sort of increased and he's kind of showing he can hang. But I'm wondering if there's any kind of update on like the r general Russian morale. Like, is everything kind of as settled down as it seems? And can we expect these guys to be longtime Blue Jackets? Yeah, it's a great question, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I wish I could tell you that they love it here, and they're going to be together forever. But and they may, but I don't, I don't know that. And honestly, I don't know if asking the player, um, it's not. Of course, unfair, but I'm not sure you get an honest answer because why would you go there? Um, I don't, I never got the Chinikov stuff directly. I did not get the sense that that was really anything than anything more than a short term frustration. Um, the Voronkov stuff, I think, was for real. And I think, um, I think it's to be kind of expected when you land on the other side of the world and, you know, the other guys have have lives, too, so you're not constantly hanging out with them. I, I think he felt like a stranger in a strange land, and that's probably getting better with time. I certainly hope it is. I would love, I think it would be great if the Blue Jackets could foster those, those three and Tarasov, too, to keep them together and give them a sense of joy and pride with, with uh, 
see what you can do. The the uh, the young Russians in in Columbus take the city and go. Um, I'll be very curious to see what they do with some of these contracts. Um, you know, the, these guys are all RFAs when they're next deals. Do you go, you know, bridge deals so that they're still RFAs before their next deal? Or do you go long-term, less money, but more term uh, to get them? Uh, it, it bears watching. Um, but thanks for the, uh, thanks for the question, Scott. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Um, Ryan C says, was Fantilli wearing one of those cut-proof socks? I heard he was, but if so, that's concerning. Um, well, Ryan, it, it is, but those, to be clear, those socks are, I, I think they do a hell of a job. I'm not sure they can do everything. Like I, even if, I think there's still damage can be done on the other side, not nearly as severe. Um, if there's enough pressure applied damage on the other side, but not not nearly as catastrophic as it would have been without those. I was told, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I heard on Valley Sports Ohio last night that he was wearing those. So that's probably, if something saved him, that was probably it. Um, Scott T says, why can't Yarmo bring himself to call to rebuild? Well, because it's not, Scott. Um, and you get to that in your second sentence. He's trying to shortcut it when Gaudreau signed, when Provorov Severson signed, but there's no need to. The fans are selling out nationwide for the second season when the season was lost. What is it that keeps Yarmo from calling it what it is? The fans deserve so much better when it comes to messaging from ownership management. Um, so there's a bunch of things here. Um, let me take up arms a little bit on Yarmo's uh, behalf. Put yourself in his shoes. And you're building this team. You've committed to a rebuild. Your reputation around the league with Jones gone, Panarin gone, Bobrovsky gone. I could, we could go into more of these. Um, you built a reputation, fair or not, that players uh, get out of Columbus when they can. You don't think that's a fair uh, representation of your city or the relationships they had. And in some cases it wasn't. Now here comes Johnny Gaudreau, the most sought after free agent. And he knocks on your front door. I don't think there's a person in the NHL put in Yarmo's spot that would not have listened. Guy's coming off a 120 point season. Guy is a big time free agent. And let's be honest, Johnny's been pretty good the last couple of months here. He's been pretty good. I want to see what he looks like when, when Fantilli gets up to speed or when he settles on a line mate, uh, a centerman. Um, but the reason that, that it, it has followed a very inconsistent line as a rebuild, to some degree, So that's what the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade did too, but that was a trade made under duress. In hindsight, I think they should have told Pierre-Luc Dubois to sit the hell down and, and shut up and get his game together. And when he gets his game together, he'll be back in the lineup, but we're not trading you. Instead, they felt like the house was on fire and they needed to handle that. And so they made a move. You would never trade a future, and it sounds weird to say now, but at the time, certainly Dubois looked like a future number one center. He may still be that. But you would never trade that most cherished position for Line A and Roslovic. That's not a trade they wanted to make. It's the best they could do given the situation. Um, and then to your question, what is it that keeps Yarmo from calling it what it is? Well, Scott, it may be his job. If you heard the owner's statement at the start of the season, um, we can still accomplish the goals that we set out and basically don't disappoint us. Now they have not said what the goals are, but I don't think the, the goal were to take your lumps and end up in the lottery again. So for Yarmo, that's, you know, that's not an acceptable, potentially not an acceptable resolution. 
Um, Bradford says, Jody Shelley shared an anecdote about David reporting a stick last night. Not sure if this is in your wheelhouse, but in your time covering the jackets, any equipment preferences, et cetera, that stood out to you? Weird tape jobs, blade curves, um, superstitions. So the one, the one that I always think about is, and I love the guy. <laughs> I love the guy because he was, he was a great player to watch and he was hilarious. Uh, great sense of humor. Jeff Sanderson. Um, Jeff Sanderson used to drive the equipment guys crazy with how often, I think it was either how often he wanted his, his blades sharpened or often he changed skates. Um, but he was absolutely mental about his, his blades. And I mean, I think he would change up three, four, five times a game. Um, he was so, and every, after every game, it was, Hey, can you do this, 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 to this? Um, yeah. Uh, Eric S says, is Chinikov being slept on maybe more nationally than locally? He's posted 11, 8, 19 in the last 22 games, roughly a quarter of the season. He's far and away the team leader in goals and points in that time. Seems like he's solidifying a top six spot after an up and down start to his career in North America. Uh, Eric, you know, I, people are not looking at Columbus right now uh, for the good. They're looking for the train wreck um, aspects of the season. So Chinikov's under the radar. Voronkov is under the radar. I think um, Marchenko for two years has been under the radar. It's starting to emerge. People will notice in time. They will. And the other thing is, if you look on every bad team, there are players that pop. And the question is, you know, what can these guys do on good teams? I think Chinikov's got a really bright future. But I don't think anything that the Blue Jackets do right now is being taken seriously across the NHL. Uh, Dustin O says, when are you going to sell really good, never boring CBJ shirts? Well, I think licensing may be an issue there, Dustin. Um. I think I'll just settle as a book title. <laughs> um, Clint C says, while there has been, while there have been players that moved on for a variety of reasons, torts left in circumstances that weren't especially clear. Any of the recent res re revelations shed more light on that. Now, I think it was clear. I think torts had a sense of where this was going after the, the 2019-20 um, season, that this was going to be, uh, sort of restarted even on the fly. I don't think he trusted uh, the direction. I think there were some disagreements with personnel that Torts didn't think could uh, be part of a winning team that maybe management didn't see it that way. And I think he, it's kind of funny because I don't think he felt like he was up for a rebuild. And then he landed in one in, in Philly. Although John Tortorella does not, it don't, if you want to have a good time, ask John Tortorella about tanking. If he sees any benefits to tanking, the man is incapable of tanking and he's got Philadelphia playing their asses off. They're not that great. I'm not sure they make it still. Um, but he is, uh, he, he gets the best out of a team and it's, it's a damn shame. It couldn't last year. Uh, Aaron P not me says, uh, is this the low point in the history of the franchise? Obviously not the worst record. We've had a ton of good young prospects as well. But there seems to be no plan in place, and the culture seems to be completely broken. Between the handling of prospects, goaltending situation, reports of players not wanting to play for management. Uh, I don't think it is. No, I don't think it is any is is at all, no. Um, there were some days in the early years of the franchise that were just, you wondered where the hell this was going to go. I'm talking like 2005, six. Um, and there was a, 11, 12 was a, was a particularly awful season. Uh, this is not great. I'll grant you, but it's been worse for sure. Any idea on how the rest of the league assesses Rick Nash's performance as director of player personnel? No, no, I, I've not, I'm not sure really people pay much attention to, what other people do in their other capacities. I think a lot of people think he's going to have a job in hockey as long as he wants one, but I don't think there's people evaluating right now. 
while it was well known that we broke TB and created a monster, we seemingly broke ourselves as Yermo sought to inject mediocre skill that moved away from our identity. And the player exodus led us to collect talent rather than build a team that's led to this identity mess. Then Babcock, only spoiling the young core and flaunting poor leadership. Is this dysfunction correctable without turning over the front office? Well, that is the, that's the question above ownership. I can tell you they don't like how loud this season has been. And it has been a loud, loud season. Um, they don't like it at all. George M says, Hey, Porter, there was a goalie that came to camp a couple of years ago, was told to go home because he was out of shape. I'm trying to remember. Was that Jet Greaves? If so, good for him. Uh, no, it was not Jet Greaves. And so really good for him. Jet Greaves is in fantastic shape. Um, and that brings me to, and uh, let me get the name of that, that, uh, Cam uh, is, uh, Cameron. Hang on a second. Let me call up earlier articles uh, and see if I, because that name's going to just Cam Johnson, I want to say. Hang on a second. I have to go with that. If I, if I remember, and it wasn't that, I'll get to that. Uh, I want to say this, though, about, about Jet Greaves. He is an um, incredibly well-adjusted human being, and those guys in Cleveland – freaking love playing for him. And the way you can tell that is if somebody even looks cross-eyed at him after he makes a save, it's on. It is on. I went up to Cleveland over the weekend and spent a couple of days. You'll read those stories in the coming week as the HL All-Star game draws near. But um, it was just a, it's pretty obvious that it's a really healthy environment. Um, and I think that's Trent Vogelhuber. I think that's the leaders on the team. Brendan Gaunt and others. Um, I th- Carson Myers, certainly. I think that is the assistant coaches. It's just a really good AHL staff. The youngest guy is the head coach. The other guys, Mark Letestu works with the forwards. You mean to tell me that an AHL forward can't work with a guy who's made played his way onto power plays with the Pittsburgh Penguins? and the Edmonton Oilers when Crosby and McDavid were there, respectively. I mean, players, th- that means something. Latesti was in Pittsburgh when Crosby was a rookie. He was in Edmonton when McDavid was a rookie. You you think the AHL guys don't want to hear those stories? Of course they do. And Latesti was uh, such a, a, a smart, um, caring individual that uh, it's just, there's just a really good spot. You think the defenseman there, um, with a coach like Havland, are not excited to hear his stories of what it was like to coach Duncan Keith, Fred Seabrook, Nicholas Jomerson when they were young with the with the uh, Blackhawks. Of course, they want to hear those stories. Of course, that speaks to the ability of that coach. You're the guy that coached those guys. Okay, let's go. Um. So, yeah. Thanks for mentioning Jet Greaves. I should have gotten to him earlier. You root for that kid. In the, in this business, we're not supposed to root for anything except good stories. He's a good story. And um, I, I certainly think we're going to see a lot of him in the NHL. And he's one guy that has been developed very slowly, very methodically, and has earned everything he's gotten. So we'll do a couple more here. Ryan M says, does Chinikov still want out and what caused him to want out? I, I don't know either of those, Ryan. And again, I've never had that conversation with him. So it was all uh, coming from elsewhere. On a lighter note, maybe this has been discussed in the past, but with Rimmer taking his final lap, is there any known succession plan in place or at least any speculation on potential replacements in the booth? Uh, I have not uh, poked around on that. I don't think. You replace the legend before he leaves. Um, I think they're, pro- if I know this business, they're probably getting a million uh, applications from people. I already know of a few, not at liberty to discuss them, but w- those that would surprise you. Um, the question is, what do the Blue Jackets want in that position? Um, that's always been the question. It'll be curious to see where they go. 
Uh, Ed says, what is your thoughts on Chris Clark as an, his interim GM? If it reaches that point, I think Chris Clark makes a ton of sense. A ton of sense. Obviously familiar with the organization. Obviously knows the players. Very smart, cerebral, well-reasoned man. Um, let's see here. Sorry for another power play comment. Haven't had any yet. But the team is six for its last 50 power play attempts, and the season percentage is nearing a franchise low. <laughs> How does this incompetence continue? Bring back Sam Gagne. <sighs> They've not had a power play since Sam Gagne. He was here a long time ago, people. Yeah, it's it's uh, maddening. I say this, if you believe that it all evens out in the end, eat it. Eat it now. Let it suck. Keep putting the young kids out there. Give them knowledge. Give them experience. Let them see what doesn't work, what does. Um, that's what I would say. Socks are, Scott T says, the socks are cut resistant, not proof. That's a big misunderstanding around the terminology. So there you go. I think that's what I was saying, but not nearly as concisely. Uh, do you think there's much interest in peak? I Yeah, I think as a 6-7 defenseman going into the playoffs, I think, but that's not going to give you a big return. But I think uh, I think there could be. Is there a reason you can't jump in the live room on the athletic website? Uh, that's a question above my, I don't want to say pay grade, but above my technical understanding. Um, I can try to find an answer to that if, you, if you'd like, but I, I don't know off the top of my head. It looks like it was an app made for the phone. Maybe not for laptop. Um, uh, David B says, any update on a potential game with the shoe? I've not heard that. No, I've not heard any updates. Uh, Marcus M says, how cool was it that Rimmer Rick Tockett moment the other night? Yeah. And Rimmer gets that a lot. Yeah, Rimmer's been around a long time. Knows a ton of people. Um, let's see. Philip A says, more of a remark, but I wish the organization hadn't hitched its wagon to the current assistant coaches. Makes it tougher to evaluate Pascal. So we'll leave you on that comment. Folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. We'll see what pops up over the next week or so. Probably won't do one next week, but if if uh, if events on the beat, as they say, uh, suggest it would be a good idea, we'll go there. Otherwise, enjoy your week. Hope for some sunshine. Uh, step away. Live life. Love life. Uh, we'll be back to hockey soon enough. Blue Jackets back in action on February 10th, hosting Tampa Bay at home. Final 32-game push of the season. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. All the best.